year ago. Yeah. Boom, the exposed book. And, and probably, would you say, one of the top three hardest hit industries because of the coronavirus, us, airlines, and hotels. I, would, I can't imagine there's any three industries that have been hit harder than those. I did read something about how um, Brazzers has stopped all gangbang operations. So that's, that is... <laughs> <laughs> Not enough social distancing. <laughs> exactly. So uh, they've halted all MILF action and, um, and, and gangbang. So maybe top four for, for restaurants. But, yeah, I, uh, I, I forgot about the porn industry. How could you? Um, so, so I, I do want to give you a chance here just off the top, cause I always forget to do this whenever, whenever we do get together, uh, to just, just plug the restaurants, tell people what, what is available. At, Actually, at the, can at I the, plug, can I plug something kind of tangentially related to the restaurant? Something that new that I'm starting? Plug whatever you need. Okay. So obviously go, it's go really hard. It's really, <laughs> it's really hard in, um, Seattle right now, a lot of people are afraid to dine out and obviously there's legitimate reasons for that. So what I've been starting to do, sorry, I almost dropped my phone. What I've been starting to do is, um, I'll send you pictures if you want to link to them on the podcast, but we're doing a canning operation with all of our sauces, mm. like our Demi, our Pesto, our Marinara, all this you can buy. In the beginning of the virus, we laid off the whole staff and we've only been able to rehire you know, 60% of our staff. So any way I can tooth and claw and scratch to, uh, to get more of my staff reemployed and back on the payroll is, is, is a worthwhile effort for me. So, uh, I, I don't know if you can link to the, to the pictures on the, on the, um, on the podcast bio, but it's going to go live sometime next week and you can get all the whole, um, thing about like I, I guess I, I understand it from a, a certain perspective that if you don't work in a restaurant and you don't understand like the inner workings of restaurants financials it might be easy for you to just kind of thumb your nose at the restaurant and say why are you doing things this way but we all have to sort of try and make a living and it, it feels bad to me when we're following the letter of the law to a T 50% capacity inside 70% outside six feet between tables it feels bad when it almost feels like people are coming in and trying to drive the final nail into a into the coffin when we're just already holding on by a thread yeah for for reference it sounds like just my inferences on your on your tweet someone someone um was not happy that there was uh there there was not an opportunity to do even more social distancing um yeah than than, uh than they're getting here at, at your restaurant and my response to that is the second you decide to go there's certain people who I know who are just like, Nope, no restaurants, not doing and it. And that's In, fine. Indoor, that's outdoor. One, that's a wonderful choice. Absolutely. But then if you are going to make that decision and decide that you want to dine somewhere, whether it's indoor or outdoor, you have to understand how it is going to be right. The, the, the yeah. realities, the realities you just described, uh, are there the are going to be other people in the restaurant. Exactly. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, um, I applaud you for, for upholding, uh, the, the, the guidelines that you have to, and, and for, the, you know, just what I'm sure have been a hellacious last four and a half months. Um, yeah. but, uh, we'll get out of this. Well, yeah, we'll get through it. And it's just a moment in time. And that's what I keep trying to remind the staff. Cause obviously it's not just me that's taking a hit. Like the servers depend on the revenue coming in. We all, de- we're all in the same boat together. So we're all, we're all biting our nails, but I, we're, we'll get through it. It's just a moment in time. Yes. Uh, well, a great message, but I'm sure people listening um, did not expect uh, a restaurant talk for, for five minutes yeah. off the top. Yeah. This, is, uh, this is a Seattle Mariners podcast, and uh, we promised to, to talk a lot about the Mariners for uh, the, the, the rest of the episode here. Um, this is recorded on a Tuesday, and normally uh, Phil and I do Mariner Mondays. Everything has changed. Uh, the world is upside down. Phil now has Tuesdays off, so we do it now. Uh, and this, Phil, is telling me that we might have to a name this something original and B maybe divorce ourselves from the main Boyd meets world feed. We're talking our own podcast that people would subscribe to a spinoff. Yes. And, and Phil and I were talking before this, we have some, some big plans. I I don't want to jinx it, but Oh my gosh, if that plan works out, it, it, it could be, it could be the, the shot in the arm the podcast needs. Let's just say, uh, one of the most bombastic figures in baseball history uh, probably won't, but still might join our podcast uh, sometime soon. So, so stay tuned for that. I know it's, it's very uh, cryptic there, but 
Um, just think of, think of the most explosive baseball Twitter personalities. Take, take Jose Canseco off of it, and who do you got? And that's our target. So I would, I would argue this guy is more explosive than Jose Canseco. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, uh, one day we'll just have to, to just go back and forth with Jose Canseco tweets because that's, that's, that's its own. <laughs> that's, that's, that could be a whole episode. That's content there. But uh, to recap where we were uh, on March 9th when, when Phil and I last talked for Mariner Monday, uh, I was in New York City um, back when it was still a, a good idea to, to go to New York City. And then even before it then again became a good idea to go to New York City. Yeah. Um, but, uh, some said, Phil, that it was our, our best pod yet. Uh, in fact, a, a close friend of ours, Tyler Barron, uh, said that we, we were really on our game that day. We uh, were so- in, we were, we were geared up for the season. We were ready to go. And just like so many other best laid plans, everything went awry. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, we peaked pre pandemic. Hopefully we can, we can bring that same energy through this. But again, last time we, we spoke, we talked about the following, uh, very hard hitting Mariners topics. We talked about, uh, Sam Tuivailala's uh, DMGB shirt. Um, trying to, trying oh, to. Oh God, that. So this. I know you made that joke 17 years ago, but it really does feel like eternity <laughs> it's, ago. It's insane. Uh, <laughs> yeah. we, we tried to decode what DMGB means. We we got no closer, and four months later, still have no idea. Uh, we talked about Justice Sheffield's two seam fastball. We talked yeah. about. And actually, I saw that one in uh, in the inner squad games. By the way, big shout out to the Mariners for actually televised, well, not televising, I guess they're putting them on their YouTube channel. Um, But that has been like such a much needed distraction for all of us, especially me, no more, no one more than me, but you know, work is screwed up six ways till Sunday and, and just coming home and being able to actually have some content like that in the game I love has been just so, so wonderful. And like, it does go to show you kind of the healing power of sports, I suppose, in a way. Yeah, watching those is kind of like watching like a like a two little league teams that are like in seventh and eighth place play each other, where just like the coaches are like, "Listen, like <laughs> let's it's baseball." There, there, <laughs> there, there might be two outs this inning. This guy yeah. might get to, this might get guy get to bat three times. Like there's just all kinds of shenanigans going on. Those those have, those have been fun. Uh, good to hear a uh, friend of the podcast, Aaron Goldsmith's voice uh, one more time mm-hmm. as well. Um, we talked about Scott Spezio's tattoo slash uh, band mm-hmm. uh, Sandfrog. Sandfrog uh, took Sand us Frog, out. Sandfrog, yeah, took us out on on that last podcast. We talked about that was how- a fitting end of the podcast. I think that was a fitting end of the the yeah. the, the break or the beginning uh, of the break. We talked about how Mitch Haniger is, was just withering away uh, down to down to ninety five pounds. Uh, Still is. Still is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then we also talked about this fledgling thing called the coronavirus that as of March 9th had killed a total of 4,300 people worldwide. Uh, it has now killed over 600,000. Yeah. Boy, a lot has changed. A lot has changed. And a uh, lot, lot I, I, I don't even know where to begin with it because when we talked about it um, on the March 9th podcast, and we just discussed this before we talked on the podcast um it was it was on our radar we knew about it we knew it had the potential to become a problem um but i think it's safe to say at least for me i'm assuming for you that the the way it stands now it has surpassed my wildest expectations of what it ever could have been when i was thinking about it in march yeah i mean we were still a few days from from the gobert incident and and Mm -hmm. the the collective wow, this is really not going to happen moment. And what's kind of wild to me is like, like I said, 4,300 people had, had died um, worldwide then. And we were, we reacted so firmly and swiftly and with, uh, with uh, clear action um, then for what was truly a fledgling virus. And uh, now 600,000 people are dead and cases are, way way higher than than they were yeah. then and 4300 people may be dying every day now exactly so. so yeah it's it's a whole yeah well there is some, there is some burnout and i think to bring it back around to baseball i i think that you know there is a, a a segment of people that rightly so have concerns you see buster posey opting out of the season you see joe smith opting out of the season you see guys opting out of the season and that's a completely reasonable thing to do. Um, 
that being said, I also understand the other side of it that, you know, unless we want to decide as a nation to hole up until there's a vaccine and just wait, we do sort of have to start reintroducing these little uh, creature comforts back into our lives, baseball, restaurants, things that are not essential at all. But it, go- it goes to, it cuts two ways because mm-hmm. the more opportunities you have, more creature comforts you have, obviously you're introducing more opportunities for infections, things like that. So we kind of just are in this unenviable position of having the way the pros and the cons, how much do we want our normal life back? How quickly do we want it back? And how much are we willing to tolerate in terms of infections and ultimately deaths to get to be, to there? And that's where we're at now. Well said, well said. So in this episode of the podcast, we will be previewing just uh, 10 storylines that, that Phil and I are, are interested in um, for this upcoming season. Uh, that that is is it's happening right Friday Friday is the is the M's first first game against Houston. Um, it's unfortunate that 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 uh, Houston kind of gets to to play the season without without the um, cost the of, of of playing against fans in any yeah. any of the, the various. Although, did you see did you see the app that they're introducing to kind of combat <laughs> that problem creatively? Uh, no. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Houston, the Astros app, or, or no? There's a MLB app that will allow. Oh you yes, yes, yes. On your phone to either cheer for the team or boo the team, so you can virtually boo the Astros, and then they'll pipe that. Whoever gets more votes, they'll pipe that artificial noise into the stadium. I did not see that, but I but I I have seen the um, uh, the uh, cardboard cutout. Uh, phenomenon that has that has mm-hmm. come come across uh, Major League Baseball. Phil, Phil and I had had uh, very nefariously concocted some of the, some of the best options of of who would be great cutouts to to place it in T-Mobile, T-Mobile Park. We talked about, of course, uh, infamous Mariner names such as Eric Bedard, um, Eric Figgins, Eric Burns, Sean Figgins. Uh, but I think Brody Van Wagenen would be would be the best one that we could possibly do yeah he's got to be right behind home plate with yes. maybe like a radar gun to watch <laughs> justin dunn or <laughs> yes or just an i miss you jared just yeah. sign. yeah um so yeah that that uh, quick shout out on that um is that I, I i i did buy one of those um for uh with a, a picture of my grandpa who was a, a huge That's huge, huge yeah. mariners fan um just let, uh, spent most of his later years uh, obsessively watching the Mariners games and also recording Tigers Threw games out a to first watch pitch those. at the Mariners game. Correct. Yes, has thrown out a first pitch, uh, as has my dad. So I got to continue that lineage at some point. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I got one of him. So hopefully we see. You him know, at if, some a, point. if a if a ball hits his cutout, uh, it gets sent to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's hope that happens. But. Um, I don't know where they're going to put him. I also didn't get a confirmation email. Hate hate when that happens when you buy something. Yeah. No confirmation email. Hopefully. I like the confirmation emails too. Yeah, make sure make sure that's a feature of the uh, the sauce delivery mechanism. That is, I actually had not even thought about that. That's a very good point. I'm looking out I will. for you. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get to storylines. Um, okay. You've 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 got five. I've got five or so. Let's see if we can mm-hmm. get to ten. Hopefully, there's not complete overlap here. But uh, yeah, hit us. What do you got first? Okay. First, and I'm going to start, I guess, with my least consequential storylines, and then I'll build us up maybe to the more consequential storylines. Great. Okay. So, so, so starting with our most, most uh, just simple, fun, kind of not, not that exactly. important, and then, and then we get heavy at the end. Right. I am interested, storyline-wise, to watch the outfield develop this year. Uh, there's going to be no Mitch Hanniger this year, almost almost certainly. They haven't come out and outright said it, but it seems to be a foregone conclusion that Mitch Hanniger is not going to play this year. It's already a 60-game season. I can't imagine the Mariners are going to want to risk rushing him out there and potentially doing longer-term damage to him. So that leaves you without your mainstay outfielder last year. Malik Smith, on the other hand, we thought we didn't really know where he was for a while. He wasn't at those um, – first couple of summer camp games he was a late addition to camp so they're still rushing to get him up to speed so he may not even be ready for the beginning of the season so that means and then obviously your third outfielder last year is no longer on the team Domingo Santana those were your three main outfielders I mean Hanniger got hurt halfway through the year but still those were your three guys that you kind of had last year which means this year we're going to have an entirely new outfield Kyle Lewis is going to get 
almost certainly 60 games this year. He's going to play every single day. Yep. That leaves two other outfield spots pretty much up for grabs between Jake Fraley, Braden Bishop, Dylan Moore, Tim Lopes, and even Dee Gordon. It looks like they're playing him out in left field quite a bit in these summer camp games. I'm interested to see when the whole season is said and done outside of Kyle Lewis, who has the most at-bats in the outfield and what that'll mean for the team going forward. Because if you see it's D Gordon that ends up in second place behind Lewis, it's probably bad news for the future because that means either Jake Fraley or Brain Bishop didn't perform or they got hurt or something derailed their development in some meaningful way. Uh, that, and that would obviously be not great news. We'll see what Malik's, happens with Malik Smith, if he'll be out there every day. But at the start of the season, it seems like he's going to be limited just because he was a late addition to camp. Boy, that uh, that was not a murderer's row of of third outfield candidates. Um, no, after Malik Smith and Kyle Lewis, who they themselves both of are are um, flawed and or young uh, players mm-hmm. with a lot with a lot to grow upon um, at, at this point in their careers. The the Jake Fraley point is interesting. A, a guy that that we've talked about a lot um, for the promise yeah. promise he showed um, in the minor leagues last season, and and your excitement about him even before that. Uh, but his major league career uh, to this point, and even his spring and his his summer camp here, have, uh, yeah. have left a lot to be desired. My excitement for him has waned substantially. Just watching him every day, and obviously he's young and he has a lot of time to grow. And this whole season, I feel like I'm going to keep repeating this: this whole season is throwing everybody's routines out of whack. But he's not showing any sort of development from last year to this year. And that's obviously a big concern for a guy who's not exactly a young prospect. He's turning 25. That's about when you'd hope to see them turn into the player that they're going to become going forward. Yeah. A, a guy that would, it would be great to see some pop out of him. Obviously the, the, the Kyle Lewis point was, was, uh, was going to come up at some point here. So I'll just go right into that as, as my, my storyline here is, is, uh, you have, have, have spent a lot of times on the, on the Twitter front lines debating, uh, Kyle Lewis's goodness. And I think it, it, mm-hmm. it's a really simple thing that we've talked about before here, but it just comes down to strikeouts and, and it does his, his, his ability to, to extend counts and to, you know, just, just not go down swinging is going to dictate his, his career. The power is there. We've seen that in summer. We saw that when he came on last year, uh, a lot of boxes are checked with him, but um, I was looking at just, he reminded me this morning of a guy that played for Houston and Oakland, Chris Carter, just a guy who, who could mm-hmm. mash and obviously played a different position, but strikeouts just ruined his ability Ru- to stay. Derailed his career. Yeah. The guy who hit 40 home runs at some point in his career. But uh, if you, if, if you can't keep the ball in play, it's, you're going to have, have problems. And I think that th- this season is going to be, it's like it's like if sixty games and we're still having these questions about Kyle Lewis. You know, say say he he's on a thirty home run pace by the end of the sixty games, and um, that part is established, but the strikeouts are still a problem. Like, what do we even do with that? Is is this is that? Do we count that, or is that just kind of an extension? Yeah, of- I think that's one of those things where it'd be another unfortunate. And this whole thing is really screwing up the timeline, not only for the Mariners, but it's screwing up the timeline for everybody in MLB because you're losing a year not only to compete, but you're losing a year to evaluate. Right. You're losing a year to evaluate what you had. If we had seen 600 at-bats from Kyle Lewis and he was kind of this guy who was going to hit 30 home runs and he was going to strike out 200 times, well, then we'd have to make a value judgment on that and see do we live with this in our lineup, do we not – do we go a different direction? But this year, it's you're going to get 200 at-bats, and that's not a, a, a determinative sample size. It's, it's something where you're going to have to give him another year, even after this year, to really figure out the player he's going to be. The frustrating thing about Kyle, I guess not frustrating, but the interesting thing is he does not, he does not strike out in your classic way, where he chases pitches all over the zone, you know, low and away slider, those classic out pitches. He makes great swing decisions. His ability to swing at balls only in the zone is really, really good. But he still swings and misses at those balls way, way, way too often. And that's where the problem is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a weird season. <laughs> like, we should just start a, a, a ding every time we, we make that yeah. sort of, of, of statement here. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see with Kyle Lewis – 
what uh, what is real and what is not, and hopefully we see a little bit more progression towards a guy that can that can uh, extend counts a little bit better than he can at this point in his career. That's my first storyline. What is your second one? Okay, second storyline. I want to see what the Mariners can get out of Kendall Graveman and Taiwan Walker, the two uh-huh. starters that they brought in this year. Uh, both of them on one-year contracts. Kendall Graveman has a option for a second year. But if they can get something out of those two guys, knowing what they have in the system coming up behind them, Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, now Emerson Hancock. We didn't even get the chance to talk about the Mariners draft, but Emerson Hancock, very promising uh, right-hander out of Georgia. He's 6'4", smut, lanky, reminds a lot of people of Justin Verlander with his metrics that he was displaying. Really good command of the zone, good fat, oh, pretty good fastball, but his real, real good pitches is changeup. So a lot, of, a lot of Verlander comparisons at the top end. Um, but I want to see what those two guys can provide because if they can act as a bridge to that um, big three, I don't, I hesitate to say that because we used to have the big <laughs> three with uh, Paxton yeah. and and uh, Walker himself, actually, <laughs> as ironic that, as that is, and uh, Danny Holson. Um, but if those guys can act as a bridge to the younger starters that can bump the Mariners timeline into competitiveness up a year, you know, so that, that would be huge to get two reliable league average starters. Yeah. I, I had the, the, the starting pitching staff in general, just being so ragtag and there's so many different things going on with, with this. The, first of all, there's, there's a six man rotation, which is a little counterintuitive for a 60 mm-hmm. game season. You'd, you'd think that, you know, five, five would be plenty, but there are so many guys that the, the M's want to give looks to. I think that it's not, mm-hmm. it's not as important to, to give innings to any one guy. You're, you're doing those sample sizes for Tywon Walker, for Kendall Graveman. You're seeing what you, what you can get out of Yusei Kikuchi. Is this just a sunk, sunk cost? Is, is this yeah. just, just a bad investment on the Mariners' part? And then same thing with, with Justice Sheffield and, and now trying out with, with Justin Dunn. Just, there's, there's just five different Petri dishes going on there. And then Marco Gonzalez, who is, is in theory this staff's ace. But the, the plan with, with Marco Gonzalez, I think it, from an organizational standpoint, is to have him be the, you know, the, the third or fourth starter in a rotation that includes those names that you just mentioned. If, that are, if, if Marco is the fourth starter in a rotation, you have a pretty good rotation. You have yeah. a good rotation, I would say. He would be a fourth or fifth starter for any team in the major leagues. That's where he needs to be. But unfortunately, as we're seeing this year, Marco Gonzalez is for the second straight year the Mariners opening day starter. Exactly. That's a problem. Yeah. So there, there's there's a lot there um, of of just you know just five different stories and and Kendall Graveman is is I think probably the one that Mariners fans are, are least familiar with in terms of mm-hmm. of what his uh, I don't know uh, upside is so so give us a a little bit of insight into why Graveman is intriguing and actually could he's on a one year contract but there's there's some potential there. So he's on the one-year contract, but he has that team-friendly uh, option. So the team mm-hmm. can pick up the second year. Yep. Um, so Graveman, as I've actually done a lot of, of reading about him and thinking about him, uh, he, when he was in Oakland, actually was the opening day starter for Oakland two years in a row in, I think, 2016, 2017, ended up losing basically two years of his career to, I believe it was Tommy John, some sort of injury that pitchers always get. So I, I'm not sure the exact injury, but I think it was Tommy John. Uh, when he came back from Tommy John, he was one of those guys, you know, there's that subset of guys who come back from Tommy John who start throwing harder. We've heard those stories all the time. He's one of those guys. He's kind of ditched the sinker a little bit in favor of a four-seam fastball. So he's throwing his four-seamer 96 miles an hour now. He's getting a lot more swing and miss, and he's sacrificing some of those ground balls. I don't. It's kind of like the opposite of what uh, Sheffield's doing. Sheffield's going away from his four-seamer into a two-seamer to try and get induce more ground balls. Kendall Graveman's going the other way. He thinks his profile, or the Mariners think his profile is going to work better if he can get more swings and misses. So he's introducing the four-seamer this year. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how it's going to work out. I'm curious to see how it's going to work out. But if this is one of those cases, and we've seen this all the time, you've seen it with guys like Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole, when he was in Pittsburgh, was exclusively a two-seam fastball pitcher. And that's why his numbers were middle. He was okay. He was decent. He was a, but then he went to Houston 
they told him to throw the four-seamer, throw it up in the zone, and he became the Garrett Cole that we know today. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Kendall Graveman. I'm just saying there is a possibility there is more left in the tank than what we've seen in his career this far. Future record-setting contract getter Kendall Graveman, I think is, is what, I, what, what I just what I just heard from Phil there. Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that, that's all great. I I had the pitching staff as as not not as specifically as you did, but um, as as one of my points. I will I will um, switch to another one here, and we talked about the outfield, but one one guy that casual Mariners fans or, or even hardcore ones might, might say, okay, why is he not in the mix yet? Obviously mm-hmm. is, is Jared Kellenick. Um, yeah. and I think just from, from what's the storyline here, my, what I wrote down is that he's assuming the role, right. Uh, of he feels to me to be very poised um, both, both in how the Mariners are marketing him and, and positioning him, uh, but also how he's positioning himself to be, the guy. And I think from a, from a prospect perspective in, in the organization, the only prospect I can remember that had this much buzz and buzz is such a different word in 2020 with the advent of social media and all that, than it was back mm-hmm. in you know 2005, 2006 when Felix is breaking on, but it's Felix. Right. There's no, yeah. there's, there's no other player that's that young generating that much hype, performing that well, showing you glimpses of talent um, like that as, as Kellenic. Um, how many swirlies do you think Jared Kellenick has given in his life? He does seem right. Remember? Oh, so I do remember one thing we talked about on the last March 9th podcast. What was that? Remember? I think I said, I don't think I like Jared Kellenick's personality. Yes. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's <laughs> yeah. a little ab- abrasive. I, he's very, that was the word I was going to use. He's very abrasive, very self-assured, which, you know, I got bless him. It's, yeah. You have to be self-assured to hit a 98 mile an hour fastball. And if there's but, if there's any sport to be a self-assured superstar, it's it's baseball. Yeah, and the thing with him and the Mariners, and I know there's going to be a contingent of the fan base that says, "Why don't you bring him up? Why don't you bring him up? Do you really want to?" I know, and this is another uh, the we go back and forth on this, but it's the the environment we live in in the MLB. Do you really want to burn a year of service time for sixty games when a guy might not be ready yet? Mm-hmm. And I, I think the answer is no, you, you just don't want to do that. And I know that's going to be frustrating because people are going to think, well, the Mariners aren't trying to win. They're not putting their best team out there because he's obvious. And I would agree. Jared Kalanick, as of right now, is one of the best 25 players in the Mariners organization. But that doesn't always mean it's the right thing to do to put him on the team right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the unfortunate uh, part of that for, for this season is that, Normally that just means okay, go go rake in AAA or or go mm-hmm. go go kill it in Arkansas. But uh, this season does not afford that opportunity. So, there, exactly. so there, there is that weird externality of yes, there's service time involved, but uh, if you are really really banking on this year of of uh, Jared Kellen and getting live pitching and and, and mm-hmm. performing in baseball games, the only way to do it with no minor league system is for him to to play for mm-hmm. the Mariners. Yeah, and it's unfortunate, and that's gonna that actually brings up my third. Uh, can we? Yeah, yeah. It, my it, it goes to my third uh, point of my five points is I the and maybe the biggest baseball storyline. The other two are related to baseball, but this is the biggest purely baseball uh, consequences. There's no minor league season this year. I yep. am extremely interested to see what that does to the development of players. But also the fact that you have the yeah you have these inter squad games where the players are going to be able to play against each other in, at Cheney Field in Tacoma, but it doesn't do enough to simulate the actual real life feeling of a of a of a full minor league season. And not only that, we're already talking about reducing minor league teams for next year, so that's going to be a lot of players cut. The Mariners already cut a huge swath of minor leaguers. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see for a team as development focused as the Mariners are in their competitive cycle right now, uh, losing a year of minor league baseball is going to probably do a lot of undue harm more so to the Mariners than it would to a team like, let's say the Indians or the Dodgers who are right now at the peak of their competitive window where they're kind of selling out for the major league team and, and worrying about the minor league team as a secondary concern. Or even the White Sox, right? Like the, the White Sox yeah. did what the Mariners have done, uh, maybe to, to a, a, a fully, you know, to a, to a greater extent. But just, just the, the timing of this mm-hmm. 
is really unfortunate for, yeah. for the Mariners with so much because of, the White Sox got their players up in time. Exactly, and so you think yeah. about like an like an iceberg of of you know the entirety of the of the the physical ice structure is your major league team eventually, and the part that's above water is 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 your major league is is what the the part that's already in the major leagues, and the part that's under is the part that's developing. You know, the Mariners still probably have sixty percent or more, probably more than that, seventy five percent of their of their future plan in the minor league system right now. And, and not only that, think about this. That'll it'll scare you even more. The Mariners are really pitcher heavy, correct? You mm-hmm. know, in their minor league system. Now what they're going to be essentially doing is asking guys to take a year off. And then next year, there's no way they're going to ask them to go, okay, go out and pitch 150 innings, go pitch yep. 130 innings in the minor leagues. Next year is going to be a year where they're going to have to ramp them back up. So we're looking at almost two years of development loss here mm-hmm. for all minor league pitchers. Uh, position players aren't in necessarily the same boat. They can go out there and play the full slate of games and probably be fine. But for pitchers and their arms with how sensitive they are, you're looking at a, a basically imagine every pitcher who's not playing this year, next year is going to be like them coming off Tommy John surgery just from the fact that they haven't pitched in a year. So uh, I, I had this as, as one of mine as well. So, so we are, we are – Kind of uh, overlapping, but but um, maybe not as specifically. Just how this is essentially a lost season developmentally for 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 the Mariners, and it is unfortunate. Um, it's been posed as a question: as is is this good or bad for the Mariners? I I don't understand why that's a question at all. It is bad yeah, for the Mariners. It is for bad all, for the Mariners for all the reasons we've described. Yeah. Um, uh, so my question to you is: who who in that sense are you most worried about? given given everything that you know that's an easy answer for me is 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 it sam carlson yeah it is sam carlson how could it not be oh god i just feel horrible for him he was just about to be able to be reintroduced this is going to be three years of without pitching for him i don't know if he can make it back from that i don't know if that's just one of those guys who's just gonna he had all the talent in the world all the promise in the world but just the circumstances of the way things shook out it, it it it's it's bad. I mean, three years of not pitching. I I don't see how you make your way back out of that. Yeah, that's like Dennis Quaid shit right there in in the rookie. <laughs> Which also, I think I I think I mentioned to you. I, I I don't understand the logic for not putting him on the taxi team and at least trying to get him innings. Yeah, that that was weird. There's there's so many names on that on that squad that kind of don't seem to matter as much as, yeah. as him. Um, Aiden Polkovich, the guy they just exactly. drafted in the fourth round, is on the team, is on the squad. I don't understand the rationale for that. Yeah, it, it, it is a little weird to, to favor that way instead of a guy who um, the Arms had a lot of equity put into with, with Carlson. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you one more wrench in terms of development that, that is, is not minor league related, but major league related and how this affected uh, infield extraordinaire Perry Hill, who uh, D Gordon has, has credited over and over and over um, in, in a lot of things. Perry Hill is not with the Mariners because of COVID concerns um, and his, his direct responsibility in, in his output uh, had already been uh, attested to by Shed Long and JP Crawford, two guys who need a lot of seasoning in the infield. They don't have him this year. So, so not only is it a minor league problem, but it is also affecting the guys that are already up and maybe a part of that future plan, not getting, not to mention uh, Tim, Tim, Tim Laker as well. He has alternative colitis. He's the hitting coach for the Mariners. He's obviously in the high risk category, so he can't uh, be at the games. He can work remotely, I guess, but who knows how that works. It'd be like me trying to work remotely in a (laughs) restaurant. You kind of need to be with the guy, you know, touching the bat and all that stuff. Um, and then also they're losing Brian DeLunis. Uh, he obviously has kidney failure. Uh, kidney, I think he does have kidney failure, uh, not just kidney problems. Um, but he was kind of the guy that DePoto consistently credited with um, kind of building up the arms and salvaging arms. I think he was the one who introduced the cutter to Marco Gonzalez when Marco Gonzalez was kind of a failed prospect coming over from St. Louis. He was the guy who kind of revitalized Austin Adams' career before he tore his ACL. He was the guy that gets a lot of credit for um, the revitalization of the pitching staff in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I just realized that we didn't actually fill, fill, finish out the, um, the Jared Kellenic point. Um, yeah. Uh, so so we, heading back to, to Kellenic real quick, uh, j- talking about his, his kind of abrasive personality and, and how that has manifested. 
I don't think it's a bad thing by, by any means. I think that um, he is, uh, that's just who he is. And, and it's actually kind of refreshing to, to see a 21 year old kid who, who knows who he is because you and I were 21 year old kids once. Yeah. And that, that is a, a tough thing to achieve. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but it, just to give you an example of that in, in that same press conference that, that we all kind of heard his personality come on onto display. He was talking about, the uh, one of the interest squad games that, that he went yard in and where he went yard off of you say Kikuchi mm-hmm. and he said explicitly he knew that he was not afraid of of you say Kikuchi's fastball and and, and knew that it, that that was not going to be a problem which is both uh brazen of of killing it to say but also yeah major leaguer yeah, but also co- correct based off of what we've talked about with you say Kikuchi in the mm-hmm. past um, so he is, he's a really interesting guy. I kind of liken him to the, the JJ Watt of baseball of just like kind of a baseball machine. Both from uh, Wisconsin, right? Both from maybe Wisconsin. It's maybe it's something just in Wisconsin. So yeah, he's, uh, he seems primed to, I, I, I have zero worries about him at least panning out and like the, the floor is just so high with him yeah. and the ceiling. He might be the closest thing to a sure thing prospect as you can have. Exactly. So uh, chances of, of seeing him at this point are fairly high at the, late, late in the season. Late late September, yeah. I'm sure he'll get a couple games just so it doesn't screw with his service time. But seeing him for anything more than 10 games, almost zero. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we've talked about the pitching staff. We've talked about Kellenic. We've talked about Kyle Lewis. We've talked about the, de- the development process here. Um, I'm going to bring up a point that is more marketing side of things. And that's mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I, sent, I sent you right before this. Yeah. Uh, the Mariners released a video earlier this week um, that, that the, the tagline of the video was, uh, sometimes you've got to tear it down to tear it up. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the quotes, the, basically the first quote was, uh, a rebuild, a reset, we don't care what they call it. Uh, first of all, nobody called it anything. Jerry DePoto called it a reimagining. So it, yeah. is not, it is not a they thing. It's like... No, no, no. Jerry, that that's was, your general man. That's your boss. That's calling it. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was that was funny for them to kind of make it like, oh man, they're, they're saying we're tearing it down. It's like, no, nope, yeah. that was all, all you guys. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but the, the the tearing it down is is something that is new, and it was it's so it's so stupid. It's all semantics. It's all words. Yeah. But, um. I, They've I, been. They have been. Just to be clear, they have been tearing it down since after the 2018 season. Of course. The, and, and you and the whole reimagining. I think we've said this many, many times on the podcast. It was a rebuild, and I think we always use the yeah. word rebuild on the podcast. They could call it whatever they want, but when you sell off your high-priced veterans who do have good production in order to get younger and rebolster your minor league team, that is called a rebuild. And I, obviously, they didn't want to spurn fans by saying, "Oh, we're rebuilding after an 18-year playoff drought," you know. But that—that's exactly what they did. And let's let's be clear. It was a good rebuild, right? Yes. Robinson, Robinson Cano is not on the M's, uh, and and the the offshoot of that is the guy we just talked about, Jared Kelenic, who is is primed to be an all star for for years to come. That was that in itself was was a masterstroke. There were there were many other uh, good to pretty good moves that have been done. And the great the that. great part about this the great part about this is that we are through the worst part of the rebuild. We are on the fun part of the rebuild now. The worst part was to the 2019 season when we had to watch Tim Beckham and kind of these yeah, stopgap guys, Omar Narvaez, all those kind of guys. We're on the fun part now. We're on the part where we're getting to see the young core start to play every day. So we're, we're, we're through the really bad part of the rebuild. Never forget that those uh, can't, <laughs> can't ground or can't, can't get uh, basic grounders or make throws to first base M's did go 13-2 and two at some point last yes. year. That was, yeah, but like, isn't it so much better that we don't have to watch Ryan Healy play this year, and instead we get to watch J.P. Crawford and Shed Long and these guys who actually offer hope for a future mm-hmm. for the team? Yes, yeah. This this is uh, this is more like watching a baseball team that that will be either completely yours or or mostly yours um, mm-hmm. going forward. So uh, I thought that the the video was was it's cool, has some some great effects, but it, just the, that verbiage is is so funny how. Uh, it's now like a us versus them, you know, media yeah. thing there. And also how it is physically impossible for the Mariners marketing department to not produce something 
that includes or that doesn't include uh, Kangaroo Junior. Edgar, Edgar Martinez. I know, I know, right? It's, I, like, it's just like even if it was it. just them on the building, like you know, like it's we just get like, it. What? Come on, guys. Every, everything they do just it has to include. I was shocked the '95 slide wasn't the final final video of yeah. of, the, of the thing there. Um, and like, also, the, did you see the other weird thing that caught my interest about the video is they did put Kyle Seeger in the video. I, I w- okay, so I watched it back uh, like there's a Pruder film for the, the second time I watched yeah. it <laughs> to see if, if Seeger uh, was, was featured at all. He is uh, not in a speaking role, just, just the back of his jersey. It almost was just like a nod to like, hey, you know, <laughs> we, can't, we can't do anything with this guy. He will be, he will be yeah. here for a while. Yeah, and I think it's also nice to put him in the video because he's gotten screwed over by the whole rebuild. Like, he was in the prime of his career when they decided yeah. to tear it down. So, it's uh, it's just one of those things where maybe it's just like, a, hey, thank you for being that veteran presence during this rebuild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also interesting, I know he's been gone for a while, but Mitch Hanniger was not in the video. Very true. What does that Very true. say? And the first person that you saw in the video was Kyle Lewis. Kyle Lewis, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Kyle, Kyle Lewis and J.P. Crawford were featured heavily in that video. Remember when we were banging the table to get rid of Mitch after the 2018 season and they didn't do yeah, it? Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's totally. Uh, I mean, obviously the 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 injury part of things has really colored our that that hindsight. I'm sure, but even looking back at it, if 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 Mitch Haniger, the Mitch Haniger that we got in 2018, had it just that that same guy extrapolated for the next 10 years. I don't even really know. Like, there was still his value. Probably was at peak. its absolute peak. Even yeah. If you, even if you run his 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 scenario a hundred times, that's probably the peak of his value. Is after that. Exactly. There was no getting better from him from there. And if you're looking to push your contention window out, it made zero sense to hold on to him. That was a big unforced error by the by the front office. And I'd like to say that maybe other teams knew that as well, but I mean. We got Jared Kelenic for for Robinson Cano. So. Yeah, no, there was a market for there was a market. There were teams checking in on him. I mean, even Depoto said it. He said the most called upon player during the winter meetings in 2018 was Mitch Haniger. Yeah. So well, there was a lot of interest on him. And and that's that's the thing is that Depoto stopped short of even calling this a rebuild because they hung hung on to a guy yeah. like Mitch Haniger. So. To, to, it was to, a big to, error to now say that okay yeah we, we we tore it down and now we're tearing it up it's it's all it's also funny just how you know uh 18 months can change so much about how how this and team if, of course if you're if you got jerry depoto and you injected him with truth serum and you asked him would you have traded mitch hanniger after the 2018 season of course he would have said yes yeah, yeah. No, doubt. no doubt yeah that's uh that is uh, indubitably true. So that is that's my marketing point there about that that tear it down to tear it up video, which uh, maybe maybe I'll just include here in the audio here, so you can all listen to to that first part there. A reboot, a rebuild, a reset. <laughs> we don't care what they call it, because sometimes you have to tear it down to tear it up with a faster, flashier, younger flow. Don't mess with the flow. But, oh, speaking of which, uh, feel, just crossed my mind. Did you see Felix Hernandez opted out of the season as well? He did, which was too bad because he was having a, a really mm-hmm. solid spring training for for the Braves. And, he might have uh, been able to latch on as their fifth starter for a while, but now yeah. with him opting out this year, just I just don't think – I think his career is over, which is very sad. Very sad, yeah, for um, – just a, a, a Mariners Titan for, for so many years on so many bad teams. Uh, so yeah. I think that's like my third or fourth point. Yeah. I'm, Counts- I've kind of stopped, but I do have, <laughs> I do have two more. Okay. Hit me. So now we're starting to get into like the more like serious, like it started off kind of just like purely baseball minor things, but fourth, and I've been thinking about this a lot and it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning of the podcast podcast where uh, people are saying, should we even be having a season with, um, you know, the coronavirus pandemic raging on? Is this safe for players? All of that kind of stuff. And I have a couple of thoughts that I wanted to talk about on that. Um, number one, is it more dangerous? I don't think it is more dangerous for these guys to be playing baseball than it would be for them to not be playing baseball. Do you, under- do you know what I mean? I- they're getting tested every day. They're in a controlled environment. There's strict protocols and regulations. I feel like their risk of contracting a virus is actually lower 
if they are on the field than if they aren't. Yeah, yeah. Ba- baseball has kind of the, the the distance part of it is is a little a, a little more baked into action than than maybe basketball or certainly football. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's kind of a two way street because you're absolutely right. The, the environment that they're in, where there's there's rigorous testing, there are every, everyone doesn't want to f this up. Um, is is one where there there are probably going to be less organic cases the problem is is that when you start actually when these leagues start happening and start playing and interacting different teams versus different teams is when team-wide outbreaks can can spread Um, right and and that that is something that wouldn't happen is it if if you canceled the season so like your your individual incidence risk for each player as they go out and live their normal lives back in you know Jupiter, Florida, or yeah. uh, down in Peoria, or wh- wherever they would be, goes down as a result of, of them ramping up and playing these these games and and, and you know focusing on uh, finishing a season. But uh, the risk of something catastrophic, where uh, you know an entire team gets it, or or you know two teams get it yeah. as a result of playing and each other, we get like a cluster. Uh, of transmission yeah exactly so it's because they it, are going to be in enclosed spaces and clubhouses and locker rooms and stuff like that and, exactly you know so and, and and baseball is not even bubbling to the point where the nba yeah. is so yeah it i, I definitely see your point but it, it is you know second so second can happen. second point i want to bring up about this and i guess this is a question more than it is a um a comment or a, a, a storyline is at what point this is a, I'm asking you to look into your crystal ball here. At what point do you believe that the problem could get so bad within Major League Baseball or within society as large that we start the season and then it doesn't make it to the end? I think, well, I mean, we, we've already seen the uh, – in, in Major League Soccer, we've seen teams have to completely – use you over there. Uh, <laughs> it's my ride. We've, we've seen Major League Soccer have to have to teams just completely opt out of the experience. It's hard to imagine that 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 happening in in Major League Baseball or the NBA or anything like that, but it certainly could. Um, I think it would have to be multiple teams and and like yeah. multiple multiple teams and, and and still high cases and things like that. Like there there would just have to be this is going bad and there's no there's no hope for for fixing getting better. Because, yeah, baseball does have this kind of luxury that, like, Garrett Cole. Garrett, if if Garrett Cole is is talent wise, Garrett Cole is to baseball as as LeBron James is to mm-hmm. to basketball. I don't know if that's that's an apt comparison, but just so, it's something fair like, enough. Yeah, something like that. Uh, in terms of magnitude of of importance, LeBron James to to the NBA versus Garrett Cole to baseball is is worlds apart so one right. one guy or, or won't sink the ship several big names or you know uh, 10 big names wouldn't damage baseball in a way that it would in basketball so i think baseball has has a has a decent uh leash at least from this 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 point but um like like baseball at, at this point the, the economic value of baseball is is the volume of television revenue it brings to third right. markets around the country. So that, that part is a little more inelastic, I think, than, than the NBA's model, which is a little bit different, which is to, which is a, a global game that has, that is mm-hmm. completely focused on the stars that play and not necessarily the, the names. In the, the local teams, right. Baseball exactly. is definitely a more regional sport. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I, I just and, think that, yeah, go ahead. And and you know Pittsburgh Pirates fans, uh, I picked a terrible example because I can't name any Pittsburgh Pirates. But um, you know Red Sox yeah. fans are still going to tune in to watch probably the same number of games they would if um, if Rafael Devers contracts COVID and misses misses a large chunk of this season. Right. I I just I have a hard time believing that the MLB, after all of the rigmarole of the past three months with the, the really, really acrimonious labor negotiation that was basically on both sides public. It, it was basically the court of uh, public opinion was played out in the court of public opinion on Twitter. 
with both sides leaking and both sides putting statements out on Twitter and Instagram and all that, which was just a horrible way to do it and did a lot of damage to the brand of baseball, which I think hopefully can be rectified once we actually start watching games, but maybe not. I just, I don't, I think they're going to be so hesitant to pull the plug, even when every marker and every good intuition is saying, you know what, let's, it's not worth it. Let's, let's pull the plug. And that's kind of a scary proposition because yeah, these guys are athletes. They're they're, the odds that they're going to, you know, come down with an extremely, extremely serious case of COVID is, is, is really low. Let's be honest. Let's call it what it is. But that doesn't mean that they can't pass it along to family. They can't pass it along to loved ones. And if we're seeing what we're seeing now with, uh, you know, guys going back and not being in this bubble, you know, that can, that can spell problems. And it's really sad. I saw what Brock Holt said and it, it makes it almost feel like it, it's a false choice. The whole opt out thing. Brock Holt is, is a, is not a big name. He's not a star. He plays for the Brewers. And he was very honest when he said, if I opted out this year, my career is probably done. So it's really not a choice. And it makes it sad to me that the MLB, you can't really trust them to do the right thing. And the players are still, and the 90% of the players who aren't superstars and are just living, not paycheck to paycheck, but they're living game to game, right? They're always in fear of being cut. It's not a choice for them. Um, they have to go or else they, their careers are over. So you can't trust the MLB to put their safety and their well-being at the forefront of their mind. And you certainly can't trust themselves to put their safety and well-being at the forefront of their mind because they don't really have a choice. It's either this and risk it or just you don't have a career. So it's, it's really a sad situation. Yeah, last, last point on that, uh, directly related to, to what Brock Holt said versus, um, uh, and then we'll move on to, to my much less serious point here. But um, it, Anytime you have professional athletes squawking about, or then squawking is a, is a demeaning term, um, just just to say that, that people out there might think that they're squawking it or yeah. think that yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're being too loud or, or, oh, shut up, you make so much money in, in a case like, you know, Brock Holt, who has probably made more than you or I will make in, in a very long time yeah. to, to get yeah. up to that. Yeah, that, that, he's definitely not in poverty. You know? Exactly, so, yeah, that, that can yeah. that can certainly happen anytime that 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 happens, and it's like okay, boohoo, you know, you're you're not you're not actually going on the front lines. I I'll listen to that argument for someone who can just put it in straight economic terms. Like, dude, you're you're gonna be fine. To yeah. me, to me, the most the most troubling case of of this false choice is coming uh, on college campuses across the country yes. with with college football. Yes. That that is that is absolutely insane that that those guys scholarships are, are are tied to this this cluster and that there's there's absolutely no guidance from the top um to to protect them so that that is a whole different stratosphere there and and one that i am much more uh tuned into i think than um than and it's not only their scholarships it's their last year to showcase themselves into the nfl or the mlb or the nba or whatever exactly it's just it's a horrible horrible city. and not only to mention that but now with college baseball at least because we only had this five round draft we saw a lot of juniors going back to college when they would have gone to the uh in straight into the minor leagues so that's creating a roster crunch and now you're seeing younger guys who had scholarships coming out of high school getting those scholarships taken away because programs don't have the amount of scholarships that they had anticipated they were going to have. So it's just, it's got these ripple effects that are going way down the line. That's just, it's, it's causing huge problems for everybody involved. Yeah. Let's hope in five years that we can just say, well, um, COVID was this thing that happened. And because COVID shortened the college baseball season, Emerson Hancock went five picks too late. So yes. let's, yeah. let's, uh, let's hope that that's something that is as simple as that. Um, unfortunately yeah. there's, uh, a quite a high body count that also goes with that, yeah. that, that, uh, we can't get back, but moving on or trying to move on to lighter things in terms of, of storylines. I think the, the most hard hitting journalism or journalistic one that we can talk about is, uh, is of course, uh, Malik Smith and his, <laughs> uh, his, uh, his 5g, true thing um, that is that is happening out there so Malik Smith as, as you mentioned was was MIA for a little bit uh, Malik is, is we, we love Malik here we, we played his yo I just got armed though uh, yeah, I just clip, got armed. <laughs> clip from on the the last podcast 
what we learned about Malik was that he was uh, down in Florida with with his with his parents, um, as as he was saying, surrounded by wolves and snakes and other creatures, um, which I don't doubt it at all. Having been to Florida, you could tell me that there are uh, space creatures with seven legs that shoot lasers out of their their eyeballs, and I just got to believe it. Weird place. So that was where Malik was. Malik Smith is a big fan of wearing masks. Won't take his off. But he did so is say... So is he going to play the season with the mask on? I think so, but he... That's going to be an interesting look. It's going to be cool. It's going to be a little weird to see, but I think it'll look cool. Yeah, like It'll Trump. be one of those historical pictures, you know, that you look back on 20 years from now, a guy playing baseball with his mask on. It'll be cool. Uh, like Trump, he looks like the Lone Ranger with the mask on. Yeah, but, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um... Wasn't the Lone Ranger over his eyes, though? Like, correct. it wasn't over his mouth? Okay, yeah. Yep, that's yep. that's That's part of the whole thing there. Uh, but Malik Smith didn't have Wi-Fi uh, down in the, the land of wolves and snakes and other creatures uh, because he wanted to be, quote, around uh, or yeah, around as little technology and radiation as possible. The radiation uh, part is the part we really got to hone in on. Yeah, so Malik Smith dropping radiation in, in, into that line uh, immediately signals to me that, that Malik is of the opinion that uh, our phones are poisoning us um, that 5G towers are out there just melting our brains. Um, but you've heard the conspiracy theory about the 5G causing coronavirus, right? <laughs> I have now. Um, I, yeah, I could have probably yeah, guessed that was it the existed. Big one. Yeah. yeah, so um, I love it. Malik Smith is authentically Malik Smith. This is the man who plays baseball with an enormous Florida chain around his neck. Um, <laughs> so he can just keep on doing and thinking whatever he damn well pleases and and it will always bring me joy um but yeah he's 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 a little worried about all the radiation out there he, he's been good he's been good in his limited time in summer camp he has like five hits in two games so if hey, maybe it was the the, Malik, the lack of radiation that the Malik him, uh, smith uh, uh bouncing around different babips over the next or the past three years is is something that we've both predicted and and also are going to enjoy this year where we you see, think he's going to be good this year He's gonna be better than last year. Yeah, I think so too. And not as not as good as he was with the race. Let me ask you a question. Do you think twenty twenty one Malik Smith is the opening day center fielder? <sighs> hmm. I mean who who else could even uh, challenge, right? That's that's, that's Yeah, I guess that's it, a good point. Yeah. You 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 could say that so, like I have not seen it from Braden Bishop. Braden Bishop is no. is is a very likable story, but just is not there. And probably a, a decent fourth outfielder, like a, a fourth outfielder on a contending club. I, yeah. He's got speed, good defense. He's got all those things you want out of a good fourth outfielder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I just don't know. I, Kyle Lewis could play there. Jared Kellenick could play there in theory. Yeah. Um, but uh, Haniger yeah. can even play there if he's even alive at this point. I think he <laughs> might be dead and they're just covering it up. <laughs> uh, wow. So somehow – Malik Smith's radiation theory was not the wildest <laughs> thing, thing that we heard yeah. on this podcast. It's actually, Have you heard a single thing from Mitch Hanniger? When's the last time he's tweeted? Probably never. Mitch Hanniger just like blends protein shakes. And <laughs> doesn't doesn't eat enough of them apparently, based off of reports about his weight. Um, so yeah, no, I'm not worried about Malik Smith whatsoever. That was not that was not expressing expressing um, you know concern for him. Just just relaying that. He's worried about radiation. Well, I, I think we're all worried about a lot of things right now. And <laughs> I, I'm not going to put radiation out there as something you should be worried about. We should all be worried about everything right now. It's a horrible year. It's just been, a, it's just been the year from hell. And if you want to worry about radiation and that stops you from worrying about other things, God bless you. Like, you know, uh, Beautiful. That's the name of this, this episode of the podcast is the year from hell. Uh, do you have any storylines left or have we exasperated this? My last storyline isn't really even a storyline. It is just the overwhelming relief that baseball's back, even with all the fucking problems that we have, you know, mentioned in the last half an hour, 45 minutes. The fact that, and I, we talked, we mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, the fact that like my business is really struggling right now. A lot of people are really, really, really struggling right now and providing just even the smallest modicum of relief. I hate to say it's like the opiate of the people. It's the opium of the people, but it kind of is. It just helps you feel a little bit more like things are going to be okay. It was like after 9-11 
when uh, baseball was shut down for two weeks and then Sammy Sosa comes out running with the uh, American flag. And that was an iconic symbol and sort of a turning point that, you know what, we're here, we're going to be okay. Because there was so much fear about 9-11 and there was so much what's going to happen next. Similarly to maybe not as, as, as devastating, 9-11 wasn't probably as devastating as the coronavirus has been, you know, but there's still that same level of, oh my God, life's never going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And kind of when Sammy Sosa came out and he was waving that American flag, that was sort of that turning point in people's, in people's minds that, you know, things are going to be okay. And there's been so much psychological damage done over the past four and a half months. And so many people are traumatized and maybe for a long time, but anything we can do to try and revert a little bit back to, Hey, things were pretty good before this. Let's try and get back there with new, a newfound appreciation for the things that have been wrong. And over the last month, June, July, we've seen a lot of problems that have been not necessarily COVID related. They've been structural issues in society that have been brought to life. Um, but now we can kind of start going forward in a more stable manner and actually make these sort of changes and not feel like everything's so cataclysmic, like everything we're one step away from the ledge. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's very well put. And, and to, to, to build on that, I think that um, having sports taken away from us um, for, for so long and, and that the absence of, of sports in our daily lives was, was both, you know, something that I don't think anyone would have chosen on the, on the front end, but also for me, at least on a, on a personal perspective, uh, kind of nice as a, as an exercise to inject a little bit of balance into, into life um, and perspective yeah. into life of like, you know, how much, how much of my just like ability to just, do and proceed and you know hop on the treadmill of life was based off of the fact that you know there's a nuggets clippers game to watch um, right for, for, for right. three hours you know so um this this discovery of of time and energy that i think all of us uh have and, and realizing that yeah we missed the hell out of sports but we're not dead you know like, yeah. like not, not having not having baseball or basketball or all these things that were were comforts throughout uh the spring and summer um we are still here and and mm-hmm. we are excited to have them back but also hopefully with a with a different perspective on not just sports and what they mean to us but what other things in the world as you alluded to um you know structural aspects that we can think critically think harder think harder think more critically on and do more um now now that we are kind of liberated and have had this kind of trial run of, of no sports for for four months, which God, man, is, is so, so 17 so, years. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not four months. It's 17. Years. It's 17 <laughs> that's years. that's true. Yeah. But, yeah. but in the grand scheme of things, when we're, when we're old and gray and, and uh, you know, bitching about our, our, our grandkids, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll hopefully um, not feel like it was uh, too significant of a period of time, but yeah, Again, I hope we learn. I hope we all just learn. I hope we all become better for this. And maybe that's the most, how could we, I mean, like you keep saying, you know, 140,000 Americans dead, that's, they're never coming back. Yeah. Um, but if we can even make that not in vain, that'll be, that'll probably be the best thing that we can do. Yeah. Well, the best thing that we can do is to get our, our guests on uh, that we would like to yeah. get. To, to, to. I don't think – something tells me our guest doesn't really care that 140,000 <laughs> Americans have died from the coronavirus. Not only does our guest not care, <laughs> our guest doesn't believe that 140,000. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Oh, that'll be a good one. That's going to be a good one if we can get them on. Folks, either we will have the guest and you will hear it, or uh, we will we will share what our plans were, um, and that that will be just <laughs> as fun. And we'll also talk a little bit of baseball because that will have happened. Yeah, uh, and that'll be the this. that'll be the best thing. That you know, the last time we talked, there was no baseball. This time we talk, there's no baseball. When we talk again on Tuesday, we will have something to talk about that revolves around Kyle Lewis striking out on a slider or Malik Smith laying down a, we'll have actual tangible content to talk about. And that could be the greatest, that might as well be the greatest thing on earth right now. And we'll do a weekly, uh, Denelson LeMay update. Uh, our, our yeah. new favorite baseball player, Phil and I have, have, uh, successfully drafted a, a fantasy baseball team, um, that of course is zero and zero right now and, and full of promise and, and will ultimately disappoint us in a couple of months. But, uh, damn, it's nice to, to log into Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Every yeah, while. it I gotta, really I gotta is. I got to say. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. Well, this was good. Um, we set out to do a half an hour, and of course, we we just broke that How wide open like like a like hour a gal like a Gallagher watermelon. Uh, we we busted it open probably probably around an hour from when I hit hit record. But uh, that's all right, man. It's it's good to see your face and and good to, good to chop it up again. Yeah, it is. So uh, everyone, stay safe, and uh, we'll see you on Tuesday, and and we'll have some real baseball to talk about. And hit refresh once an hour on ilterazzocomrine dot com to uh, yes. to stay stay yes. tuned on the the sauce updates. Uh, my parents will be coming to see you in Bellevue uh, very soon to to get some. Yeah, some... I'll be looking forward to that. It's nice to always see the the good faces in in the restaurant again, and and it makes it feel a little more normal. Hell yeah. Uh, all right, folks. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Phil, for for doing this. And uh, we'll talk next week. How about that? All right. Sounds good. See you next Tuesday.